You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. I was just playing around with one of your coughs in Audacity, and I was going to make it into a house track. I reversed it. A cough sounds weird in reverse. Um... Just so everybody knows, I'm not over my coughing yet. So every time I feel the need to cough, I'm going to put up my finger. That when you will know to stop talking, then you can cut it out. True. Here's my finger. And I can see a cough on the thing because it's slightly bigger than everything else. But it's really if, it, annoying. if it's an hour and a half long, it takes a long time to cut them all out. Um, but I've got until Monday morning to do it. So that was the before the after the show discussion. This is After the Show, the weekly podcast where we... What do we do in this podcast? We review a movie and we talk about it. And this week's movie, on Saturday, January the 11th, After the Show number 309, is Riddick. And I want to say, this is the third in the Riddick series. And we did watch the other two this week as well, so we've seen them all in one week. So I think that was a good move too. Agreed. So this is a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray on the 14th of January, so you can pick it up this Tuesday. Yes. And it's rated R, and there's actually an unrated cut. We watched the unrated cut. It's uh, Universal, from our friends at Universal, and the tagline for the movie is, Rule the Dark. So Sidtor, what's the synopsis for the third in the Riddick uh, series? Hmm. Well, Riddick is... Stranded on an, a, I was going to say an island, but it's not an island, it's a little bit bigger. It's a planet. Yeah, no, it's not and an island. And he has to basically find a way off. It sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? It's a lot like Pitch Black, but really different, but the same. Yeah. And then I think it's t- it's safe to say it fo- focuses more on these mercs that we've heard about throughout the Riddick world, and I really like that. So, um, I mean, that's all it is. Riddick is stranded and needs to get off. Yes. So this is the third in the Riddick series. <laughs> uh, let's just, before we start, we watched um, Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick this week. And Pitch Black, I really like it. I still like it. It's slightly dated, I think, a little bit, um, Rewatching it now. How so? Just the special <laughs> effects. Uh, they don't hold up. I don't didn't think they did in either of the first two. Um, I disagree. And, you know, but Pitch Black, I do like Pitch Black. Now, Chronicles of Riddick's the weird one, because we went to see it in the cinema when it came out, and I disliked it. I disliked it, and then it, then it came out on DVD, and I watched it again, and I didn't really change my mind. I, I, I was kind of like, this is not... I would I like Pitch Black, and this is way different to Pitch Black. Then we watched the unrated director's cut of uh, Chronicles of Riddick this week, and we've never seen that one before. And it's like a 20 minute longer version. And it almost feels like a different movie. Mm, I disagree with that. They change the tone of the movie completely. Like, there's lots of fill in stuff that was missing. That it's one of. Well, I'm not going to spoil the movie because you need to see all the movies. But um, it changes the tone of the movie. And there's other movies, director's cuts, that change the tone of the movie completely. One of them's Blade Runner. It's a. The director's cut of Blade Runner. It's the same film, but it feels different in tone, like because well, they remove the um, narration over the top of the movie. They remove that, and it makes the movie feel different. 
because there's nobody talking you through it. You've got to piece it together yourself. Um, and that's how I felt about this one. It just felt more filled in. And I, I always had problems with it because it was like, it's really grandiose kind of movie. Like, it's like, I said to you, like, it's like the fall of the Roman Empire, kind of this big, like, Troy or something like that. But then the story kind of philanders around in it. It's just, it's, it doesn't seem like Riddick should be in it. But it's, it does, I disagree. No, I mean, that's how I used to feel mm, about it. Right. But now, when I've seen it again, I, I enjoyed it a lot more. I don't think it's perfect, but I enjoyed it more. What is perfect? I think Pitch Black is pretty perfect for what it is. Okay. It's got some special effects flaws, but I mean, as far as the character and the way it is set perfect up... Perfect movie? Not I a mean, perfect movie. That's no. what I'm saying. I, there you... is no perfect movie, obviously not. Oh, right. So nothing is perfect. No. Right. Can't really get a perfect movie, can you? I mean... Mm, there will be blood? You don't think it's perfect? Or Magnolia? Probably not. There's probably something I could pick up out of it, is what I'm saying. But I enjoyed it a lot more. And if you've not seen the unrated director's cut of Chronicles of Riddick, you should, like... Because you, you have to actually go out of your way to watch it. Because it's <coughs> on the on the menu you uh, get to choose the normal version or the unrated cut, but you have to actually go out of your way to choose the unrated cut. If you just press play, you'll see the normal one. So, go out... Yeah, did you prefer it? I don't I don't know that that's what made it that much different to me. I'd have to see the exact parts that were added back in. It's literally 20 minutes of stuff. But I was more into it, and I told you, the first time I watched it, I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't get what they were talking about at all. I didn't know why these necromongers were going why? anywhere. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand the concept at all. I didn't follow it. And all the director had to say in one extra on Pitch Black was, I needed to figure out where Riddick was going from here. And to put him in the middle of a crusade of a cult across the galaxy, or the universe... And I was like, oh, they were like, I mean, I kind of barely understood that they were a cult of this death and the underverse and stuff. But I just didn't get the point of going to a planet, blowing the shit out of it, killing everybody and then going on to the next. I didn't get what they were doing. And that's one of the things I disliked about it. It was like Riddick getting involved in this thing. And it just, to me, always, because of what the first movie was. It never sat right. It was like, it, it was to me, it was like, oh, they just want to make this huge, massive thing and make Riddick into this multi million dollar thing, which is, seems like what they're doing. But I like that first kind of small, confined movie. Now, moving on to number three, Riddick, they went back to that small, confined movie and it. But what I like about it, even this, in the second one, the story of it is that in the first one, you know, we're in the future. We've got the capability of traveling all over the universe, at least the galaxy. You you understand these things. The technology is very advanced. I mean, they're kind of down and out, basically, where they've landed. But So my mind was always like, what world are we living? What kind of world is it now? Like, what? where are we and when is it and where are these people from? The second one filled in a huge part of that. Well, so I yeah. like that, that it wasn't. I don't think series have to be all like a cookie cutter of each other. Because if that's what you want... They don't, but it's one of the most glare... Like, even when you watch them now in a row. Well, if you watch all these three in a row, which you can do now. That second one feels like a different thing completely to me. It's It's good, though. That's why I like it It's this thing with these famous people. Like, you know, even the actors. It's just this bigger thing than the other two. 
And now that I've watched them all, that's what makes me like it. Is that each slice that we get of Riddick is just a... It's not about him. It's about the world he's living... Well, the universe he's living in. So what we're here today to talk about is Riddick, which is the third in the movies. And I don't know what to expect from this, to be honest, at all. I didn't know where it was going from there. I mean, I know how the second one ended, and it is a bit of a cliffhanger where it ends. Um... And this one, what they did is they took it back to that small, confined, um, you know, like it's all set on this one planet. Like I said, Riddick is stranded and has to get off. And what it is, is it's this cool, um, like the first half an hour of the movie, I really enjoyed a Mm -hmm. lot. It's this, um, it's Riddick trying to survive on his own. There's nobody to talk to. It's kind of like Castaway in space. He's figuring out where he is. What he's up against, he's on a planet they doesn't know. And we know he's about. badass, so he can probably handle it. But we we can see how he handles it, and I thought it was really interesting. And he made friends with the animals, and it's a. It's not Doctor Doolittle. Don't make style. it sound like that. But you know what I'm saying. He make he uses the the planet against it. So it's really cool the way he did it. And then you know, thirty minutes into the movie, <clears throat> we realize that. These mercs that we they talk about, or we've you know seen before, Johns, etc., is uh, they're coming to get him, and then it's this this awesome battle of survival, mercs versus Riddick, and you know that Riddick's equal to about fifty mercs anyway. He's just this badass who you almost can't kill, right? So then it's this showdown, and how I see it is, it's like aliens, and Riddick's the alien, and they're in these mercs are like. These badass dudes, like in Aliens, who you think can handle anything, but they can't handle this. They can't. They not don't know what they're up against. Hmm, I don't know. I don't see that. But I mean, I see that they don't know what they're up against. But I don't see it. As I mean, they're the most badass people in the universe, right? These mercs. Yet. Well, we don't know that. Well, they're, they're supposed the to be. That's yeah. that's the idea of them. They can. You send them somewhere. They bring back your bounty, or you know, they don't lose. They do it, and this thing is they they can't do it like it, you know it's an almost impossible I don't impossible ever see it task. like them against Riddick I see it as all the humans Riddick included against the elements which is what it always yeah, is but there's that too but what I'm saying is that the way this movie plays out the actual plot is there's Riddick there's these mercs they have to get him and either kill him or bring him back killing him's better because they'll get more money and then it's this face off between them and then there's a also a um the elements. A spanner in the works in the middle of it that um, changes what is going to happen. But I liked how it was set up. It felt old-fashioned to me, mm-hmm, like fashion. an 80s movie or Definitely. a 90s, early 90s movie. And I thought that worked because it, it, it was real. It felt nostalgic, like Aliens and Predator. It felt like that to me. It felt... You know, it's cheesy. The dialogue's really bad in parts, like really bad. But I, and then I was like, is it so bad because they're trying to emulate those 80s, 90s movies? don't think so. But I, I mean, just think they have a really basic view. It's of this bad things. dialogue where like the mercs... I know, I know they're just like, you know, they're not. none of them are super intelligent. They're just like, you know, ready to kill people kind of dudes. But they all talk to each other kind of... Idiotic. There's a lot of cringe. I was cringing at some of the lines. You oh, know, definitely. I'm going to go balls deep in, you know, things like that. It's like, you know, it's just, ugh. Like, couldn't you be more intelligent about the conversations? But no, they don't, ever. It's just pretty meatheadish. Um, and that's the thing I didn't like. But 
I think it worked as like a horror sci-fi piece. Like it, because I was just in suspense. There was parts of it where, you know, when they're inside the big um, mm-hmm. station, whatever it's called, and they, you know, something's outside, and you know, Riddick's playing with them basically. <laughs> he's sat on top of a ship at one point just while they're all there and they're looking for him and he's just like Doo-doo-doo. I thought it really worked suspenseful I almost liked it as much as Pitch Black it's a different adventure yeah but it, I didn't like it as much particularly when I think of the first time I watched Pitch Black yeah but, but there's baggage now isn't there with this like you've already seen I mean Riddick's not as much of a mystery anymore is he he's like so it's that might be the thing. It wasn't that... much of a mystery the first time around. It takes about one second and you know what you're up against. Yeah. A meathead. Yeah. A mercenary-ish kind of criminal. But you still don't know what his crimes are. No. You never know what he's done except you've played the game. So you know. But and minus that from the equation. We you don't never... really know playing the game, actually. You don't really know what the the crimes are. He's just... He's been... already in the place. No, you, they don't really explain it. They don't explain much. They just explain, oh, he's in this... It's the... in the. There's a game, Escape from Butcher Bay. It happens this, before Pitch Black. Right, and it's this huge maximum security prison where all the vile scum of the galaxy go to. It's the place that nobody can escape from. Riddick's there. Escape from Butcher Bay. <laughs> Riddick escapes from it. That's what the game is. But it's just to say, oh, he's this badass that nobody can contain, and there he is. Like, But um, it does, it's not really much of a story to that. But yeah, we're getting bits of stuff on Riddick now. This movie, the end sequence, actually makes me want to see another one. Absolutely, yeah. So they did... It's not pointless. Like, like I I was thinking, do we really need another Riddick film? You know, is there much to build on? Like, do we know... But I think they did it with this. I think they... It's not a masterpiece. You just need to not turn it into fucking Lost or something, where you just keep strangling, like, dangling carrots in front of everyone. Yeah, I don't see he's doing that. Make one more and wrap it all up. Because this one's pretty satisfying in its contained thing. I mean, it doesn't really further the whole thing. Yeah, it's got it like, that's the thing. It's like an X-Files thing. It's got the basic thing of Riddick as a criminal who's basically been on the run around the galaxy. Yeah. Planet to planet. Then you've got the layer of society, basically, where you've got mercs, which is the policing of the universe because humans can't police it properly. Then over the top of that, you have this magical... We know there are races like the Windwalker Lady, we elementals or whatever. We know there are... There's this necromonger, and it's magic. It's actual something magical's going on with people. And they're half dead. They're like zombies, but not zombies. That's the big story. But that doesn't really factor into this little episode. Mm-mm. This little episode. Just, just at the beginning and at the end. Now, what did you think of the special effects in the movie? Uh, some were really horrible. Yeah, I think so too. Like really horrible. But and I think some were some were good, some were bad. And I think the dog had its moments, but the other times it was really good. Yeah, because it was a totally fake dog. And and in the second one, they had some fake dogs that looked horrible like in that second one remember i disagree i, d- I thought they looked horrible the first time i saw it but I this like time it. they didn't they were look rubbery horrible. looking but they were supposed to be they were on a planet the ones in this one no they look like pieces of metal to me the ones in this one had like proper hair i thought they looked pretty good like and i i liked them and it wasn't the dogs that i had a problem with in this uh in this flying movie. those stupid motorcycle things those oh were pretty God. poor 
But then again, I don't know what a flying motorcycle really looks like, so maybe... You know what a person on a motorcycle looks like. But the main offender in this movie for bad special effects (laughs) is just people talking to each other in... Clearly in front of green screens. Like, the backgrounds look really cruddy in parts. Like, there's a guy talking to another guy, and the lighting doesn't look right on the people. It, I, I can instantly see there are green screen in it. Like, and I know the green screen in the entire movie. Sometimes it doesn't look like there are, though, most yeah. of the time. Sometimes there's close-up shots where you're like, wow, that looks really bad. Like, they, they're just studioing it up. I mean, it does, they didn't do the lighting right or whatever. There's a lot of that, and that's what kind of... I thought was like, wow, this is a big budget movie. Why, why is that in there? But it's not a huge budget movie. He said it was less. 60 million, it said. I don't think that's a small amount of money. It's not a small amount of money, but it's also not $300 million. No, but what is? Not even the Avengers is that much. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I think that's a pretty decent amount Lord of money of to rings. make a good looking movie. Um, so there's some of that. Yeah, and they've got these like Harley Davidson hover bikes, so and stupid. when they're driving them, it looks like green screen. It, All it I could lo- think was, whoever designed these is some dudes who get hard on at the idea of futuristic motorcycles, and they looked so ridiculous. I mean, seriously. I mean, I understood the concept. Like the Mercs are all grizzly; they're not going to be on Tron bikes. Yeah, but they're I get also that, not going to have themselves just out in the open when they go to terrain that they're completely unfamiliar with. They're not going to ride motorcycles on planets that they don't even know what the hell's so, going they're on. They're so badass; they don't care. Yeah, they're so badass; <laughs> they look like ridiculous. So that's the idea. But the spaceships look good. Mm-hmm. The um, planet looked good at the beginning when Riddick was wandering around the planet. It looked really good. I was like, wow, you know, Pitch Black had a really cool looking planet. And the way they did it in Pitch Black was just changing the colors of, like, the desert. <laughs> but it was enough to go, wow, this is a really interesting looking place. And this was the same. I really enjoyed, like, it looked really harsh. It looked, you know, the the cool... I just think that first 20 minutes is, like, exceptional. I think it's one of the high points of this whole Riddick thing. I don't know if it's exceptional, but it is good. Yeah, I just think it's one of the high points of the whole three movies. It's like, this is really cool. Like, like I didn't expect it. I expected loads of plot exposition, and you don't... Obviously, I mean, you get it, because yeah. that's what you're getting, is... But it's interesting, because there's if no th- dialogue. If you wondered how Riddick could be surviving all this... This is going to explain to you that he's just determined. He's smart. He outsmarts nature when he can. Yeah, he's not an idiot. Like when you think, oh, he's a meathead, or no, he's not because he he really figures shit out, doesn't he? I mean, like stuff where you go, oh wow, like yeah, make friends with that thing. Mm-hmm. Then you know, and it has a little bit of humor to it. But then the only thing inappropriate. The only thing I didn't like was um, some of the dialogue, which is between yeah. the Mercs. And I, and I get what they were going for, but in 1980, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, obviously we kind of gave it a pass and it was kind of funny or something. I don't know. Now it just seems a bit too much. Like, it's silly. Yeah. You like, know? you can't be a thinking person and watch a movie that doesn't have any jokes in it. Right. You have to be waiting for the punchline all the time or for oh. some sexual innuendo that, or some violent funny comment and everybody bursts out laughing <laughs> that's funny that's what I imagine in people's minds I have to say there's some good gore in this movie too a little bit of gore yeah, which is I, good I thought it was really good like I was like wow you don't <clears throat> see that a lot nowadays I don't think you do like and it's a throwback kind of thing to those old movies and definitely 
but it looks good. Like it doesn't look like um, you know fake phony. So yeah, there was that, and we watched the unrated cut, and it kind of has a, according to my press release, what I read, a different ending. We haven't seen the original, so we don't know. I could go and watch it, I guess. I'll watch the ending just to see what the difference is. But it's definitely set up for another Riddick movie. And uh, interesting, there was no music over the credits. I, I, I said like to that. you, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Like, the credits roll? And I, you know, from this movie, just from watching so many movies, you would expect an orchestral score in the background. The Riddick. There's nothing. It's completely silent. And I thought that was really interesting choice. Because he's going to a very dark place next. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice just because it's not what you would expect. Um, so, do you like it? Yeah. I enjoyed all of it except for the stupid comments, the one-liner jokes. I didn't get what the chick woman... I mean, I don't understand the whole concept of that character other than she was could use a gun, but everyone could use a gun. So I don't, that explanation was a little bit flimsy. It was just there purely because dudes were writing it and, and she gets titillation. It's funny because in the extras, the the woman who plays um, Dahl, oh. she um, kept saying, oh yeah, I wanted a different outfit, but it wasn't for titillation. Then I just she didn't say that. She said they told her, you don't have to justify your sexiness. And she's like, oh, good. Yeah. So she was fine with the titillation. Oh, I thought she said I didn't, I wanted to... I no. had this big outfit on. It was obvious she wanted to be more titillating. That right. was her whole objective, was to uncover her body. But then, so it's, then, then they like, oh, she's a lesbian. It is a weird thing. Like, there was a lot of... They only made her a lesbian so that Riddick could turn her crank at the end. Yeah. There was no other reason for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's all kind of cocker boy like, um, mm-hmm. a 1980s action movie thing. Um, but a lot of it is. All written by men. Don't forget. All written by men. Grown men. True. Who think that shit's interesting or funny. It's not. So moving on to the cast, Vin Diesel reprises his role as Riddick. Um, this is a, an observation I made after watching all three in a row this week. <laughs> in the first one, he's actually, and it was his first major acting role, Riddick. I really feel like Pitch he's... Black. Pitch Black. I feel like he threw himself into it and tried to really make that character interesting, and I think he succeeded. In the second one, he was Mr. Hollywood blockbuster guy, and I think he lost a little bit of it. And then I was, like, really worried that in this third one he'd be Mr. Mumbling, um, like, because we've said about Fast and the Furious. He's turned into, like, he's bigger than life, he's this mumbling kind of cool dude who... But he's not cool. But it, that's what he's yeah. portraying. Like, you know, I'm so cool. I don't even have to speak properly. You I don't know, even it's have like, to open my mouth. Yeah. Or talk. But I think he did away with that in this. Yep. Like, like I was going, oh no, he's going to mumble and stuff. And then he never did it. He, he was Riddick. He did a little bit. Yeah, but, but I mean, it felt more like pitch black Riddick to me. It was just like, wow. It, so, what? why does it. Obviously, in The Fast and the Furious, that's how he feels that character is. This cool, super cool. Never phased kind of dude, right? But Riddick, I think he plays him well, and I think he played him well in this. He relaxed a little, as far as it went, as as far as a character like this can go. Like it's not, um, you know, it's not a complicated. Well, Riddick's got some complications, (laughs) but really, it's about being muscly and doing some stunts at the end of the day. 
uh, Carl Urban reprises his role as Vaco, but I mean, he's literally in the movie for three minutes. Um, I, I, I like Carl Urban a lot. He's, I think he's really good in the second one, but um, it's not nothing really here, is there? Even though they advertise him as the second person in the movie, like mm-hmm. like Carl Urban's in this movie, yeah, really very briefly. Uh, Jordi Moller plays Santana. He's like a Spanish actor. You'll probably have seen him before. He's in Night and Day. Is the baddie. And he's in Blow. Um, I disliked him. Disliked the actor? I disliked the portrayal of that character in this movie. It was too over the top, like, you have to hate this guy. Yeah, yeah. He's so sleazy, you have but to hate him. I like him. No, I, well, I think, I think I liked him because he can be sleazy. But I disliked the writing of the character where... It's just ultra sleazy. Like, everything he has to do is like, oh, yeah. Oh, I hate him more now. I hate him more. I can't wait till he gets his come up. Yeah, exactly. It's lazy, kind of boring, kind of writing. He did it fine. It's just, it's obvious what they were doing with him, right? The second you see him, you know, oh, okay, he's terrible. And then they keep going, oh, look, he's terrible again. He's terrible again. (laughs) So, it was... Pardon my language, but like motherfucker from Kick Ass too. Yeah, He's, but a bit. Mm, yeah, see, like, I hate, it is like see, that, I yeah. hate him. Right. I don't like that actor guy. So this time I like the actor guy. I just didn't like a lot of the. It's lines quite obvious what they were doing with him, and from the beginning, and he didn't do a bad job. But no, I just, no. I'm saying I just didn't like the character very much. But that was the idea, right? Not supposed to like him, so. Um, Matt Nabel plays Boss Johns. I like him a lot. Yeah, Australian guy. Really good. Yeah, really good. Um, really good. I like him a lot. I like... The, I like... I don't want to spoil it. Yep, but I, I, like like, I like the idea of that, yeah. Uh, and Katie Sackhoff plays Doll. Doll? Doll. Um, don't now I she, like her. Now, she's really famous for... She's in the remake of Battlestar Galactica. She's Starbuck in that. So she's, you know, huge in sci-fi stuff. And um, in this... I thought it was... What a waste. It was really B-movie-ish what they did with Very. her. Very. Like, it was like, oh, she's titillating. Really low she's... class. Yeah. Really made her the butt of the joke, really, that, you know... I mean, it was. It started off all right, because, like, she kept punching that dude in the face. And I thought, like, okay, she's she's tough, right? But then they kept doing it a bit too much, and I was then like... Then she shed all of her armor, and, and then she's her breasts all... all puffed up. Yeah. And it's, like, so ridiculous. Yeah, and then she, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a part where I thought, yep, yeah, and I was like, no, don't do that because if you do that, I've, you've lost me. Then you've yep. completely lost me. And thankfully, they really didn't. So, um, they it would have been too far, that wouldn't it? You know. Yes. But yeah, they really messed about with that character. She's one thing. She's another thing. She's shows her breasts for a second. Just when she was washing up. Yeah, I know, but it was, was it. it was so titillating. It was like, it was like, again, like eighties sci-fi or horror movies where the the chicks having a shower. And there was no reason for. There's that. no reason. Yeah. No, like here's a breast. Like it, I'm not against breasts, but it was quite <laughs> obvious. That you what, wish. It was quite obvious what they were doing in that in that. Um, yeah, the see. only person in the entire 11 people yeah. to go wash themselves yeah. up. And it happens to be the woman who, never mind that there's threats everywhere. She uh, goes ahead and gets naked and just stands in the bathroom and washes her armpits. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit weird. It, it's, it feels like sometimes like a 14-year-old wrote this script. Really does. Correct. So talking of 14-year-olds, David Toohey. 
<laughs> who's the director of this. He's, he's, a, he's obviously pie, right? juvenile in a way, right? Um, and then on the other hand, he's like this. He's so serious. I can't. I can't get behind him at all. Like because when he's in any extras, he talks very seriously. Like he's like he's inventing I, the cure for cancer. I think you mistake seriousness for pretension. Right. He takes himself very seriously and it and it rubs off the wrong way to me so yeah. I'm, I'm watching him talk and i'm like i don't like this director i can't tell you what it is i don't know him but what he's saying and the way he's acting makes me want to like not like what he does i know but there again i like the movies so <laughs> i like the end result of but i have process. this thing, thing in my mind of every time he talks and the extras i'm like why are you so serious this is like a sci-fi movie it's fun everybody who watches it they're watching it for an escapism fun type of thing. It's not like a su- super serious drama. You're not like... So I don't trying- get him... I don't take him that way. No, that's how I take him. It's Mm-mm. just... It seems like he's... Feels like he's Martin Scorsese or somebody. He's like... Mm, I disagree. Way serious. The entire time. There's never a joke cracked or anything. He doesn't even look like he's funny on the set. He's walking around the set. He's serious. Everybody's like... Almost like... He's the the boss man, and we all have to. Uh, I didn't see that at all, so I don't know what you're saying. I don't yeah. see that at all. I see them all chumming. Call him up by with his them. initials. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's very casual. They all joke around. She was able to get convince him to let her take her clothes off for the part. They can, you know. I didn't. Oh, see so that again, all. it wasn't. <clears throat> Maybe it was her. She convinced him. She said that. There you she go. Didn't... So it's not. So the people. Yeah, but he... he let her. Yeah, sure, but she was encouraging it. Doesn't matter. He's the director. He could have said no. Yeah, well, anyway, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth watching him. I don't like to listen to him. I don't want to listen to his commentaries. <laughs> um, but you might find something different if you listen to the whole thing. And, you know, his other movies that he's done is Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. And he wrote The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, which is an excellent movie. He did the screenplay for that. Um, but the movies he's done are The Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black, and A Perfect Getaway. Which I did see on HBO one night, and uh, you never seen. And it's uh, Resident Evil, Mila Jovovich, and she goes on a holiday, and some weird stuff happens. <laughs> and it's really, really, really cheesy, and exactly what you're thinking is going to happen happens. Okay. So I don't think you'd want to see it. It feels like, like a, Mila. What it feels like is a three o'clock in the morning HBO movie. Okay. Exactly like that. So I wasn't into it. But, um,. Yeah, it's a funny thing, because he's made some... These movies are quite interesting. And well, they're interesting I, like, to us. Yeah. It doesn't make them interesting. I don't think they're amazing or anything, and I prefer... There's quite a lot more sci-fi that I like better. Like Aliens and things like that, you know, Predator. Um, but they are pretty good for... Here's the next one. Riddick meets Predator. <laughs> yeah, who would win that? <laughs> Who would win Alien versus Riddick? Hmm. Probably Alien. I mean, he's no more tough than Ripley. Well, come on. Ripley yeah. versus Riddick. There you go. True. So, <laughs> Are they even in the same universe? No, I don't think so. So, uh, the extras on this um, disc, are, there's an unrated director's cut and the normal theatrical cut. Then there's a bunch of featurettes. None of them are extremely long. You can watch the whole thing in like 35 minutes. There's The World of Riddick, Riddickian Tech. I hate the word Riddickian. The Two He Touch. The what? Vin's Riddick, Meet the Mercs, and Riddick Blindsided. They're all pretty short feature. There's no commentary or anything like that, but they're 
they're all pretty short features. Um, I think they, they, they're all right because they show you a lot of on the set stuff. And I was interested to see that like it was none of it was outside. It was all on a yeah, stage. Very weird. Yeah, I mean they went outside to take photos of things. That's why there's so much bad green screen. Green screen because yeah. when you do enough of it, you're gonna get some bad. But Star Wars, the new trilogy, none of that was outside either. It was all green screen, and it doesn't look. I mean, yes, no, I totally <laughs> lie. There are po- I do see you and McGregor's face talking to somebody, and it looks weird. Yes. So yeah, but even that has some of that. So okay. But that's it, ten years old. Yeah, true. This doesn't have that excuse. This is like literally new. So and we've come a long way with special effects. We know that most things can be done. I guess it's all about money, isn't it? If you've got more money, it will look better. I think standards are another thing. Yeah. Money, though, I think. I think if you pass a, a shot off to an effects studio and you say, uh, do that, and then it comes back, and it, you look at it and go, oh, I wish it could look a bit better, but then you've got time and... You could send it back and pay again, or what? You know, they probably just sometimes go. No, that's good I enough. I don't think it all gets done, and then you look at it. I think you look at it as it goes. Yeah, I think you do, but I think yeah. it must come to a point where the time's running out, and we're just gonna have to go with that one. That's a, a shot that's going to look not as good. I'm not sure about that. Why? I just don't think. I think that some people's standards are different. Some no. people will look at it and not have a problem with it. That that's not what we're doing here. We don't care that there's a little bit of lighting. I don't care. It looks great. It looks awesome. We've got the scene. That the, the we're done. No, I, I disagree because no, um, not everyone will have the same standard. You can't disagree with no, that. but they're filmmakers. And the second Riddick movie looked really good. It had a lot more money though. There was some. It ba- didn't look really good. No, I thought it did look really. It good. had a lot of. I bad thought the set. Effects. I thought the set decoration and the um, costuming was really good. In that movie. Kind of cheap when you really look, because I was watching really close. Yeah. And that, but, there again, that was a $150 million movie. That was the big movie in the middle of these two small movies, right? So, um, it's supposed to look better. So, um... Mm, I don't equal money with looks, sorry. No, I do. Work look at way. Avatar, right? Doesn't there's matter. Not even, there's not even one shot in Avatar where you can say, I don't oh, that looks shitty. The money. No, I think it is because it costs... Two billion dollars or whatever it costs—some ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, but I don't think it looked that way because of the money. I think it looked that way because the standard of the guy making it was so high. There was no, there was no not making it perfect. And with that comes a different whole set of rules. Now I think special effects work costs money. It does, but I'm not. I'm saying. And that I think just sometimes because- they they'll say to you. We can make it look amazing for this amount of money, or we can do it less so for this amount of money, and that's no special effects house is going to so we say we'll do it. So I don't. So. I don't mean that. I mean <laughs> you go to special effects house that's cheaper, or you go to Weta, or whoever the big one is, like Lucasfilm or whatever. It's going to cost more there. It's probably going to look better than going to little house to have your special effects done. Weta always wasn't always big. No, but they now you would good. expect a certain level from them if you went and paid them to have your shots done. But there again, Peter Jackson doesn't get the best shots out of Exactly, so it's not always about money, is what I'm saying. And to argue that it is, is ridiculous, because it isn't always. I'm arguing that it is, thank money you. Money doesn't always buy quality, and cheap doesn't always mean low quality. So in conclusion, if you're a fan of Riddick... You the, can't argue with that. If you're a fan of the Riddick series, um, I think you'll have something to enjoy it. It definitely doesn't further the... Um, story as much as the second one did. The second one was like 
wow, there's so much to take in. Like, they've gone from uh, just knowing a little bit about Riddick to knowing a lot about what's what he's involved in. Um, and then this one, I don't think it really furthers it. It's just this very small episode of his Riddick doing some stuff. And then the, the very ending, which is literally like a minute and a half long, shows you what's kind See, of... I think different. I don't think of it as that middle thing as anything to do with him. He just stumbled into it. And it's one thing that's happening Yeah, in the but universe. you find out some stuff about him in that movie. One thing. Where he's from. That's it. You also find out some other stuff. That's it. One thing. How he got away from where he was. Yeah, I disagree because I can think of at least three more things that, I, that you find out about him. But I'm not going to say them because you need to watch it. <laughs> yes. But still, it's this huge... There's a lot of plot and stuff in that middle movie. But it's a contained... In this movie, there ain't much plot. But the middle plot stuff is contained within the Necromongers. True. But in this movie, it's it's literally an action movie set up. And then it it unwinds like an action movie. It's really Nothing more, nothing less than that. It is that, yeah. Pitch Black was... Riddick was stuck on a planet and he had to get off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and this is, it's a setup for an action movie, an action movie occurs, and then there's a little bookend on the end to say, this is what could happen like next story. if we carry on making more of them. But if you're a fan of the Riddick character, there's definitely a lot to like here, because... I think so. He's on the screen a lot in this movie. If you're not um, a fan of Riddick, but you've seen him both... I think you might, might like this one as a standalone exactly. movie. It doesn't need... You also might like him more if you watch this one, too. Yeah, and it... You don't need to have seen those other two. I was thinking about that. That first scene might not make a lot of sense to you if you haven't seen the other two. The bit with Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. But once that bit is finished, the rest of it, you you pretty much can figure out what's going on. It's not difficult. Yeah, but you need all of it. You all do, but what I'm saying is it could work as a standalone movie, just this, like Pitch Black worked as a standalone movie because there wasn't anything else. Uh, it's This can work like that does. It's like a suspenseful, horror-ish some gore, some stupid stuff, and hmm. so um, yeah, I recommend it. Um, it's not like a ten out of ten movie or anything, but if you want a fun sci-fi movie, it's funniest one I've seen in a while. There aren't, they don't seem to be that many, does there? Um, re- recently, people seem to have they went more into like zombie films and superhero films. Uh, sci-fi movies seem to be less. I mean, we saw Elysium recently. Mm-hmm. But can and you think Oblivion. of ten sci-fi movies? Oblivion. Yeah, Oblivion. I, think, I can't think of ten sci-fi movies from last year. Think of ten horror movies from last year. Yeah, I can think of ten horror movies. I'm not going from to do it From last year. Yeah, like smaller ones as well, you know? No. Yeah, I can. Then there's probably small sci-fi ones, too, that you don't know about. Mm. Possibly. Not that I see, and I, carry, I watch all the releases every week. I mean, I don't watch all the releases. I see <laughs> what comes out, so... Uh, even the smaller stuff. So, um... Yeah, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to go and enter a contest, go to acegully.com. We've got three movies up for um, winning. Is that what you call it? This week, um, Sweetwater is the first one uh, from E1 Entertainment. That one is a Western starring January Jones. So if you like Mad Men, January Jones is in it. Um, And the second one is Badges of Fury, which is from WellGo USA. That is another Blu-ray you can win. And it's a cop drama and third a single shot which stars don't know <laughs> um it stars i'm oblivious to these things i don't know i mean i have not been observing your a single shot stars um sam rockwell and william h macy 
Oh, right. Uh, you can win a copy of that on Blu-ray. It's a haunting backwards noir, according to the cover. And the uh, Sweetwater. So, if you want to win one of those three movies, go to aschoolie.com. You answer a simple question, and you win. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Machete Kills. Now, I have not seen the original Machete, so what I did was I bought the original Machete at Christmas off um, Amazon. Now, this is part of the Grindhouse series of movies that Tarantino and Rodriguez started. And we're going to watch both, because I'd never seen them. So we're reviewing Machete Kills, but we will have an opinion on Machete as well. Um, you don't look very pleased with No. Michelle, but you like Robert Rodriguez movies. Not that much. No? Not really. I like Grindhouse. You like Planet Terror. Not, not This is in the style of that. But That's I, crazy. But I didn't love... Um, but I see it as um, Hobo with a Shotgun type of thing. And oh, I don't, Hobo, don't exactly. get me. Hobo with a Shotgun was amazing. It wasn't amazing. and For me, it absolutely... <laughs> I loved it. And that's how I see these. And I don't care about that actor guy. Don't give a shit. I don't know why people think he's such a big deal. Because he's not to me. Um, that's it. So I'm not looking forward to it. But, but think, you might I've been love it. surprised in the past. Yeah. We'll so, see. Robert Rodriguez's Machete Kills we'll look at next week. And movie recommendations. So I'm going to base mine on Riddick, and they're pretty straightforward. First one is Predator, because it reminded me a lot of Predator. And second one, Aliens. James Cameron's Aliens, the second one. The Marines, obviously the Marines being hunted by a thing. That's Predator's what better than Riddick. I will put that out there right now. Predator, the original, is better than... Both all three Riddicks smashed together, and my recommendations are because I am realizing that in my life I've not been a great student, and so learning history when I was in school long time ago, I know I guess I was never paying attention to anything hardly ever. Now for some reason I always remembered 1066 meant something, and the Magna Carta was something, but I didn't know exactly what they were. I've always watched Robin Hood movies and kind of sort of grasped what was going on. King Richard and King Prince John and blah blah blah. It just all sounded like Ugh. I've heard of, you know, Queen Elizabeth and the first and Queen Victoria and Henry the Eighth and blah blah. It all just sounds like mush. I never could put it in any timeline. So on YouTube. On a channel called Thousand One Documentaries, a thousand and one documentaries, somebody, this dude, has put some BBC documentaries and a whole series called History of Britain. And it is actually it's fascinating. You even commented last night that I'm walking around with the tablet in my hand watching these videos because I don't want to stop. I get because I get confused really easy with the this prince and that guy was stabbing him in the back and this guy was da 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 and all these, you know, it's really confusing sometimes. But it's really, it's really amazing that I'm all of a sudden seeing the timeline of your, of the British history. Now, maybe everybody doesn't give a shit, but I find it really fascinating. So, History of Britain, it's on YouTube. You can just look, it's uh, 15 parts, an hour each. So, I'm on number um, nine. <laughs> that tells you what I do with my time. I don't just sit and stare at it, but I try to listen and I have to replay parts of them because I lose track of what they're talking about. Um, and then my other one is, and I was trying to think, when we hit the portion of time when they were talking about King Richard and Prince John and the Crusades and all that, I was like, this must, I think this is Robin Hood time frame. And it is. 
And so I was trying to think of my favorite Robin Hood incarnation, and it is the 1973 Disney cartoon of Robin Hood. Because it's really cute, and it's still a little bit grim because of what's actually going on, but that's my favorite Robin Hood. So, <laughs> games and A-Scully stuff this week. I've been playing a couple of games, and watching some movies, which we will mention at the end. So first game I've been playing is Gran Turismo <clears throat> 6. Um, I'm still enjoying that game a lot. You bought it me for Christmas. Um, I'm trying to earn tons and tons of money so I can buy all the best cars. There's 1,200 cars in that game, so you could literally play this game for years if you wanted to. Um, I really like it. There are some really weird events, like race an electric car against another electric car, and as you know, electric cars don't go particularly fast. Well, not. It's a Prius race that I was doing yesterday. And Priuses, they just have no... I would not want to race one. They just, they don't accelerate very fast. It's very boring. It's the most, I said to you, it's the most boring race I've ever had. It was this long race and you were going 60 miles an hour the entire time, which, as you know, is not very fast in a race. Because when you're racing... Well, when the other guy can only go 60, it's it's fine. When you're racing in racing games, though, and you're in these, like, supercars, like Ferraris that go, like, 200 mile an hour, when you put in a 60 mile an hour car, it just feels like you're crawling. So, but there's a lot of that like race this car against that car there's some go-kart races which are interesting like little go-karts that you go around in like on a course um which I learned this week from our nephew who I was playing with he actually has been go-karting in real life <laughs> so he was telling me that this seemed uh, he raced it and he was saying it seems the same like you can just go into the corners without letting off the accelerator so I've never been on a go-kart but he says there's a go-kart in this town that's where yeah. he went. Um, right across the bridge also I have been playing Knack this week which is a Playstation 4 game which you walked in the room and said what's that <laughs> because it looks amazing it's it like does. it looks like a Pixar <coughs> cartoon came to life like you're this character Knack and he's made up of relics so he's not like a solid item he's like relics all floating in Collect like gravity's the, holding them together and they're all yeah and his power is he can absorb relics to make himself bigger and he can also use relics to open doors so he makes himself smaller by throwing bits of himself into doors but he, be- he can become like the size of a skyscraper like if he's got enough relics on him so the whole game's like it's a convoluted story but the game all looks like a Pixar cartoon it's on the PS4 so it's all cutting edge graphics there's no jaggy parts it just looks amazing um the gameplay is really rudimentary, not actually that fun. But I like to play it because of how it looks. <laughs> but the actual gameplay is... Knack as in K-N-A-C-K? Correct. Knack. So that's um, it's a PS4 launch game. I actually got it for free. Because uh, Amazon had this buy two, get one free game thing when the PS4 launched. And I'd already ordered two games, so the third game was a free game. And I couldn't really see what I wanted, so I just picked that one. So I didn't pay for it, so no big deal. Um, and finally, on the PS4 this week, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, and if you've got a PS4, you probably are, uh, Don't Starve is a free PS4 game that came out this week. So if you're not a PS Plus member, it's $15. But if you're a PS Plus member, it's free. And you're this little guy, and you're thrown into this world... And the title of the game, Don't Starve, is exactly what you have to do. Don't starve. So you've got to survive. You can do whatever you want to do. Not just survive. Don't starve. Right. That's the least of your worries I've actually found. 
because you've got to think about everything. So imagine a simulator of trying to survive in the wilderness. So from getting fire, because at night when it's pitch black, creatures will eat you unless you're there's a fire for you to be at, so they're scared of the fire. So you've got that to deal with. You've also got to gather supplies like grass... Um, Grass to light fires, uh, wood to burn on the fires. Eventually, so how do you start fire? You start fire using flint. You have to find flint. All the objects to <coughs> do things are in the game. Right. And then you've got a crafting system. So eventually when you've got enough flint and enough logs and enough stone, you can make a fire pit. And that's like a permanent fire pit that doesn't... Well, it does burn out, but you can like light it again with flints. But... At the beginning, all you've got enough resources for is to make a little torch that you can hold that, that has a tiny little flame on it, so you have to kind of stand there scared of the dark. Eventually, you can build up a big camp. Right. You can, you can make animal traps and leave them on the floor, and the animals will wander into them, and then you've got something to eat. When you find an animal, you've got to kill the animal and then cook the animal on the fire. You can eat the animal raw, but it will make, probably make you poorly, or it doesn't satisfy you enough. When you cook it, it's better for you. So this isn't a vegan vegan game. <laughs> no, it's uh, there's so many things to think about, and you've got to. The idea is you last as many days as so you can. You survive without eating animals. Yeah, because you can eat berries off. Um, they're just not as satisfying. So um, the idea is to survive as long as you can. Now there's strategies to do it. Eventually, when you get further into the game, I've I've lasted ten days without dying. But I've seen people on YouTube who are like a hundred days in, and they've got a massive big camp and they've built houses, and because you, you eventually you can make stone blocks and you can build a house and you can by yourself, right? Why and, would you need more than one house? Um, some people have built a house and then somewhere to keep all the food because okay. they've because they've killed so many animals they've got like a big thing full of food. So I seen this one guy who was like a hundred days in with this like wall. He'd build a wall all the way around. Wow. He'd build a house. He'd got a massive fire. He was basically set like he could be in that place and not actually leave. And the monsters were just banging at the wall. They couldn't get in. So you can get to that point, but it's quite difficult. So it's like a game where you die and you're dead. There's no you extra life. Over. You start again. Yeah. So you you maybe do better every time. You know. So that's Don't Starve. It's free on PS4. It looks cool. It's like a little doodly kind of a game. Yeah, it's kind of like. Um, and the people have said it's like Tim Burton's art style, and it kind of is. And it's also a bit like that shadow boxy kind of thing because the water looks like a bunch of plates being pulled back and forth. Right. So it's like a drawing and or like a shadow box. But um, it's cool. It's a really cool game, uh, and it's free. So if you have a PS4, why not pick it up? And finally, we've been watching the James Bond fifty set that you got me for Christmas. The all twenty three Bond movies in a big set. And we've just finished Sean Connery's years. So we've finished on Diamonds Are Forever. We Diamonds will now, Are Forever. We'll now be moving on to Live and Let Die with Roger Moore's first movie. So we've seen all of Sean Connery's and George Lazenby's movie now. I just wanted to give a, a roundup on all those. Um, Sean Connery's a piece of work, right? Yes. And there's a bunch of extras on these um, Blu-rays. And it's, they're really good. Like There's a documentary after each movie that takes you through the whole process of them making that movie. My advice to people is be careful who you hold in high esteem when it comes to celebrities or actors. 
writers, musicians, because there's a person behind what you've been presented. Sean Connery and doesn't, person doesn't come across noise. well, does he? No, he does not. He doesn't come across well in the interviews that are on that <laughs> disc. He doesn't come across well in the movies themselves sometimes. And when you dig a little deeper, he doesn't come across good at all. Mm. But you have to take... take it, it. They exist, and they are what they are. And in the spirit of that, subtracting everything else <laughs> other than... I don't know. I know. There's some things that I cannot excuse anymore. No matter what, I, I can't get my head around it. But I really enjoy these early <laughs> Bond movies. I enjoy them for, like, they take me to that time. Kind of, yeah. I feel like I'm in that time, and I feel like I'm moving through time, too, like, like as we're watching them. Yep. And I'm like, now I'm in the 1970s. Look at it. Like, it, um, you know, you've they're all yep. a, the a cars, product of the, the time. Clothes, the clothes, the fashion the buildings you just kind of go along with it yeah Yeah, you just feel like you like people like obviously everybody's grown up with bond if they're into it and you know your bond and it's like doctor who i guess you 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 can scope it through the generations the politics change because you know from the early ones about like it's the cold war isn't it so every bad guy is kind of like russians and comrade and then as you progress it starts being a little more obscure it's more of a like a corporate thing that's trying to take Spectre. over the world. Yeah, so it's interesting. And, and I've then- got to say, for the first time ever, Diamonds Are Forever, I watched it, and I re- I appreciated it loads more because I saw it more. It's it's quite humorous. And I don't know if that was the intent, but I appreciate it a lot because I can see where Austin Powers came from watching just that one movie, Diamonds Are Forever. I don't think it was trying to be funny. I don't think it was trying to be funny either, but if you watch... I, I used to watch it from this serious, like, this is a serious spy thing. But when I watch it from a funny angle, that, that movie... And I, I didn't like Diamonds Are Forever. It's one of the ones I've always disliked. It's the one with Jimmy Dean in it. This time, watching it with, like, a tongue-in-cheek, I actually enjoyed it a lot You more. had the tongue-in-cheek, but it Me, didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But... There's so many ridiculous funny shots. <laughs> there's there's mistakes. There's like that continuity yep. mistake that's just funny. There's Bond on this little tiny little bike. He three looks like he's on a kid's scooter. It's hilarious. It's a three-wheeler. Like a little tiny yeah. one. It just looks funny. The whole shot looks funny. There's Bond in a moon buggy. It's, there's just some funny stuff in that movie that's just like, wow. Well, they said they wanted to make it more American. They did? So it's very insulting to think that it's really dummied down. Yeah, oh, oh. In Las Vegas. Let, let's, like... let's not mention the goons in that movie. <laughs> because it's like goons from a 1920s movie. Like, yep. hey, hey there, copper. It's really bad. You mean the cops and the Yeah, goons. the cops. Yeah. yeah. It's like. It, it, well, just wait. Stereotype. The next one, if you think this one was supposed to be funny, <laughs> why do you watch the next one? Yeah. The next one is by far the worst Bond And don't try to tell me that I might have it wrong. Living Like Dies, I like some of it, but then there's a whole portion of it I don't like as well. You're not going to be disappointed. It's a shame that Roger Moore <laughs> had to come into the franchise on like the low point almost of, of it. Because... Um, it really picks up after Living Like That. Really a lot. Like I mean, it gets really good. Like Moonraker. Some really good ones with Roger Moore in them. But yeah, Living Like That is a bit of a... Yeah. It's staying in that um, um, Smokey and the Bandit. 
Yeah. Hillbillies are funny. Um, Dukes of Hazard. See, it's another sign of the times, isn't it? That that TV comedy thing gets stuck to it, and it's really poor. I have to say also in Diamonds Are Forever, the performance of that Bond girl. You know which one I mean? Uh, Plenty O'Toole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the other girl woman's good. I like her. Yeah, the other woman's good, but Plenty o- The second she got Plenty O'Toole... Anyway, she's called Plenty O'Toole. When she turns up on the screen and she starts talking, I'm like... Hi, I'm Plenty. And plenty O'Toole. And it's really, really awful <laughs> dialogue. Like, I, I picture it as like... Do you know on American Werewolf in London where they show you that 70s porno movie on the screen? Yes, and yes. That's what it sounds like, what she's saying. Like, hey, you know where she's on the telephone? Like, it's just awful. And it doesn't match, like, what other people are doing. It's just, I don't know if it's just her being terrible. And I will or... say this. I will say this as a grown woman. I'm a grown woman who's been smacked by a man in my grown life. Not you, obviously. Early days. Are you trying to make me sound bad? I've seen (laughs) other women get smacked by men. And it's not funny. It's not charming. It isn't sexy. It isn't demonstrative and fatherly. It is bullshit. And I don't give a shit that every Bond movie up till now was made in a time when it seemed more okay for Bond to smack a woman every fucking time. And... That's what I was raised with. Bond was... I didn't see a lot of Bond movies, but it was in everything. TV shows, movies, of every kind, all the time. That if you said something the man didn't like, and he was Mr. Cool and dressed just right, and he backhanded you, and then you'd look at him with your big puppy dog eyes, and then he'd pull you close and give you a kiss and say, like, don't make me do it again, baby. Shit like that. It's unacceptable then. There's tons of that. It's in unacceptable now. It's not funny. It isn't anything except. It's just weird. It's, it's like men. No, sometimes it. Men exploiting the idea and it's bullshit. Sometimes no what, in the Bond movies, it does. And it's not. Obviously, it's not funny. But sometimes the way it's done in the Bond movies is like. It's funny because you think. They weren't doing that. It, it, that's just a sign of the times like that's what I'm saying it was completely acceptable that's what I mean though, but you sometimes when you're watching the Bond movies those old Bond movies the way it is done is funny because it's like but it isn't funny like there was one where it, I don't even think it was Bond but somebody punched a Bond girl in the face like literally punched her in the face and knocked her out and she went ugh fell down like a yeah but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about Bond as the man who's supposed to be Mr. Suave charming romantic the one that they swoon over, and when he smacks you because you say something he doesn't like, and then he basically just grabs you again, and then you're supposed to be like putty in his hands. I'm gonna pinpoint that's the bullshit. I'm gonna pinpoint watching these movies when the movie is where he stops smacking women because he's literally smacked women in all of them so far. I don't think Roger Moore will, but I don't know. I don't know if he let, live and let die. Mike. Pierce Brosnan doesn't, unless he's. No, there's I mean, a point kills where, a couple, there's but... where the hitting of women becomes uh, not happens, right? So, mm, shocking. It's either the, this first Roger Moore movie where they stopped it. We'll see. But there again, I think he might as well, at least once. We'll see. But it isn't acceptable. I don't care what who you are, how you try to sell it, how you try to say that it's a thing of the times and it was just the way it was. There was lots of other things that didn't include that and did try to address it. Even though I think it's struggle. particularly weird when you go back and watch them. And if you go back and watch a lot of old westerns and stuff too, where there's that kind of treatment of women, 
when you go back and watch these Bond movies, it's just so it's it's awkwardly jarring. Like when you when you see it, like you're like really. Unfortunately, it's not awkwardly jarring for everyone. And then when he's like, you know, openly racist sometimes, like it, it's it, you you're like, wow, things have really changed. You know, so in a way, it's, it pinpoints a time. I mean, it's a good thing for people to know how it used to be as well. I don't know about that. Well, I think it is because you would you wouldn't you would want to go look how much we've changed as a species. Not much, really, actually. No, (laughs) (laughs) like what are you talking about? Like it's not like now we have a black president. Then fetch my shoes. You know what I mean? Like we come a long way. I don't know if that was racial, but you always think it is. I do think it was racial. (laughs) Fetch my shoes. Listen to (laughs) fetch my shoes. If you don't know what that is, watch Dot to Know. <laughs> when Bond says, fetch my shoes, you tell me that that's not racial. Quarrel takes a little bit of abuse. Yeah, true. Well, more than a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he also has to hold his watch. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, yeah, that's but the James... But it's not funny. That's the James... No, it, that's what I mean, though. It's the James Bond 50 collection. It's really good. I, I'm really... James 50. James Bond 50. Oh, right, right. And it's not 50 movies, like some people keep saying to me. Oh, 50 James Bond. No, it's 23 movies. It's 50 years of James Bond. So, what's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight will be Morning Star sausage patties. They're not really sausage. Veggie patties. And sweet potato mash and some bee soup. And I'm trying really hard not to cough. And some leftover pasta from last night. And I made some cookie dough, so I'll be making some homemade cookies later. Baking them. And your advice? My advice is eat more chocolate. That's number one. Because, you know, you forget until you put some in your mouth what it what it's real. And I don't believe in the, like, it does the thing for you, like, feeling like you're in love or anything. I think you have to eat a lot of it for that. But I just mean... No, you feel like you're sick. It's a very you... small pleasure. You feel sick when you eat chocolate. If you eat too much of it, yeah. Oh. No, I don't think I've ever eaten too much chocolate. I have, definitely. Easter eggs. You know, in England, Easter eggs are a big thing, right? I don't have that thing, though, where I eat too much. So at Easter, I would get, like, six or seven Easter eggs. And because you're a kid and you've got no blinker for when to stop eating the chocolate, I used to just sit and eat the Easter eggs. Yeah, I have no blinker now. And then it would be about nine o'clock at night, and I'd eat so much Easter egg, I would be barfing up, and then I would get in trouble from my grandma for eating. See, I've never had that, so I think that's part of why I'm not skinny, because I don't have that blinker. I don't have a switch. I don't have a thing. And I'm talking about like a hand, like even a handful of chocolate chips right out of the bag. It's like they're so good; they just melt in your mouth and they sort of lift you up for about five minutes. And I say, eat more chocolate. And my other advice is, and this is going to alienate a lot of people, but I don't mean it to. Not really. But, like, if anything horrible happens to me, horrible things happen to everyone. In the future, if you find out something horrible has happened to me, or I get a horrible disease, or I die horribly, or I'm laying half dead in the hospital, you don't need to pray for me. You can if it makes you feel better. That's fine. But if someone says, oh my God, she's laid up in the hospital, she's half dead, the surgery's going to cost a half a million dollars, don't pray for me. Give give whoever needs money the money to, for my surgery. Don't do nothing and pray and wish and hope that I'm going to be fine. Or pray and wish and hope that everything will turn out fine. I don't need the fantasy. I don't know. It's really... 
and I, that sounds really mean spirited, but it's like if you just in passing want to think good things about people, that's fine. But I'm talking about if something bad happens to somebody and you're in a position to contribute physically to helping the situation, but instead you just say, well, I'll pray for you. You're not doing dog shit. You're doing nothing. You are taking the easy way out. I don't care what you say or who you tell me to try to convince me. It is, it is like, what would you say? It's like, uh, what's that thing? The, the feather dance, you know, the fan dance that women do, like kind of hiding. Da, 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 da. You're just hiding behind it. If you can't do something good for somebody in trouble, then just accept it that you can't do anything good. Don't sit there and be like, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Because I don't care. I don't care if you're sitting there thinking good thoughts for me. Really? Nice. You want to call me and cheer me up? Like physically pick up the phone or send me an email? I'm not talking about me specifically here either. I'm symbolizing anyone in trouble. If someone that you know is having a hard time in life, their parent has died or their kid is sick or their kid went off to college and you know that they're having a hard time dealing with it, don't pray for them. Send them an email. Call them up. Take them to lunch. Praying is like, it's like pretending that you don't have to be involved, that you can keep your distance, and then that's, that gets you off the hook. Either you do something or you do nothing. That's it. So, well, good advice. <laughs> that's so, not going to go down well with a lot of people, but that is, it is what it is. So let me remind you about our website. It's ascully.com, sito.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at ascully. Because I can Sito. tell you this. If last week you heard me, me. If you heard me feeling sick and you decided to do a little prayer for me, it didn't do any good. It's you, not you're gone. You're getting better. <laughs> it's not because... <laughs> Some of those prayers were getting... It's not because of that. Hey, catch us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at A. Scully, you're at Acid Talk. Don't pray for you. <laughs> um, you can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. Sorry about the issues last week with the feed not updating. It has updated now and it will be fine this week. Um, thanks to all the people who told me that it wasn't working properly. If it doesn't work properly in iTunes one week, you can always just go to the site and download the MP3. It's just sometimes the feed... Goes weird and doesn't send. How about it? just pray for it, pray about it? Probably wouldn't make it work better. <laughs> I have to go in there and fix it. Um, you can also catch it on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed, or Stitcher.com. You can email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyacom. Don't email Sid Talk and don't pray for her either. And stay classy, Mister Vin Diesel. Not exactly classy, but you're working your way up there. Yeah, definitely did a good job here, and I'm interested to see more Riddick. I'm going to say think for yourselves, because if you don't do it, no one's going to... I mean, it's everyone, someone's going to do it for you. 